boobos, black spots, and bloody froth. It was all in a day's work for Black Death body collectors. The plague killed millions of people, and it changed everything, including body disposal. During the plague, millions of bodies piled up in Europe. Body collectors risked their lives to clear out the streets, all for a hefty paycheck. Would you do it? And sometimes the chance to extort people out of their money. Would you do it? As the body count skyrocketed, with as many as 1,000 deaths a day in some cities, body collectors carted victims to mass graves, while some reveled in the face of death by holding cemetery orgies. Mm, orgies. The body collectors worked day and night. Let's find out what it was like to be a body collector during the Great Mortality. A dark plague swept across Europe in the mid-1300s. To those who lived through the Black Death's ravages, it seemed like the end of the world. An Irish monk recorded the devastation in 1349, ending with a pessimistic note. In case anyone should still be alive in the future. But there were people who did survive the Black Death, which meant someone had to cart away all the bodies. That was the job of the body collectors. Corpses piled up during the Black Death. In a matter of months, hundreds of thousands of people dropped dead in Europe's biggest cities. Giovanni Boccaccio, who witnessed the plague firsthand, said that Florence itself turned into a sepulchre because of the piles of bodies. Many died daily or nightly in the public streets. For thousands who died in their homes, the departure was hardly observed by their neighbors until the stench of their putrefying bodies carried the tidings. The epidemic itself was a crisis, but it also created major problems for cities trying to get rid of all the bodies. The body collectors had to travel the streets, carting away corpses in what might be history's most undesirable job. Plague victims looked pretty disgusting. Body collectors had to remove plague victims from homes and from piles on the street so that they could be buried. But the bodies were not in good shape by the time the collectors came around. As Boccaccio explained, plague victims had certain tumors in the groin or the armpits, some of which grew as large as a common apple, others as an egg. After the bulging buboes appeared, black spots began to cover the body. Buboes might burst, leaking, rancid pus. Flea bites that transmitted the deadly bacteria Yersinia pestis could become gangrenous. 
If the disease attacked the lungs, the victim might cough up a bloody froth before convulsing with death. This only made the job of the body collector more dangerous. Body collectors knew their job was dangerous. The plague was deadly, extremely deadly. There were three different forms of the plague that struck simultaneously, bubonic, septicemic, and pneumonic. If you had to pick one, you'd want to choose bubonic, which killed up to 75% of infected people. Septicemic and pneumonic plague had a 100% mortality rate. Plague body collectors knew firsthand just how dangerous their job was. As Boccaccio reported, simply touching the belongings of a plague victim could transfer the disease. In the Decameron, he told a terrifying story of two pigs who rooted in the rags of a man who had died of plague. Almost immediately, they gave a few turns and fell down dead, as if by poison. Protection from plague usually involved flowers. Body collectors may have protected themselves from catching the plague by using the same technique as doctors, smelling sweet flowers. The famous plague doctor costume might look like a crazy bird, but the mask was actually designed to block out bad smells. According to the miasma theory of disease, illnesses like the plague were spread by foul smells. By filling the beak of the mask with flowers and herbs, doctors believed they could protect themselves from contagion. Body collectors might have tried similar tactics to make their jobs less deadly. <laughs> That's quite heartwarming that they actually thought like that. Burying plague victims was like making corpse lasagna. In Florence, 60% of the population died in a matter of months. With corpses piling up on the streets, body collectors struggled to find burial ground for the dead. One Florentine chronicler described the job, At every church, they dug deep pits. Those who were poor who died during the night were bundled up quickly and thrown into the pit. The next morning, the body collectors would throw earth on the corpses and toss in more bodies. Others were placed on top of them, and then another layer of earth, just as one makes lasagna with layers of pasta and cheese. I don't know about you, but that makes me not want to ever have lasagna again. Body collectors visited mass graves every day though they sometimes dumped bodies into rivers. There wasn't enough space to properly bury the victims of the bubonic plague, so across Europe, cities resorted to mass graves. One chronicler, Agnolo di Tura, wrote that, In many places in Siena, great pits were dug and piled deep with the multitude of dead. If the graves became too shallow, another would be hastily dug. Agnolo reported with horror. There were also those who were so sparsely covered with the earth that the dogs dragged them forth and devoured many bodies throughout the city. 
In Avignon, when they ran out of land to bury the corpses, the Pope consecrated the Rhone River and the dead were thrown into the water. Body collecting was an undesirable, lower-class job for obvious reasons. Before the plague, Europe had elaborate funeral rites. Boccaccio wrote that a dead body was supposed to be borne on the shoulders of his peers to the church selected by him before his death. Of course, with so many dead and dying and so many others afraid of falling ill, that didn't happen during the Black Death. Instead, Boccaccio explains bodies were transported by a sort of corpse carrier drawn from the baser ranks, who performed such offices for hire. In one sense, body collectors were entrepreneurs who saw the chance to make a huge amount of money during history's worst crisis. Body collectors had a terrible reputation. No one wanted to see a body collector outside their house. In Florence, gangs of shovel-wielding grave diggers known as the Beccini, stalked the streets. Because the job was so undesirable, these body collectors earned enormous sums, which they reportedly spent on alcohol. They were constantly stinking with the effluvia of death and earning more than they had ever done before. Some body collectors abused their position, demanding bribes before they would cart off a corpse. Others reportedly showed off by laughing, drinking, and assaulting innocent people. Even worse, some Beccini gangs broke into houses, threatening to murder people and declare them victims of the plague if they didn't pay up. Death will come on swift wings for you. You Beccini are cursed. Body collectors didn't lose their jobs when the Black Death ended. The Black Death struck Europe between 1347 and 1351, leaving a lot of bodies to collect. Body collectors were busy during the Black Death, collecting at least 25 million dead bodies. But that wasn't the end of the road for body collectors, because the plague kept coming back. England alone was hit by the plague another six times in the 14th century. The plague continued to slaughter people around Europe until the 1700s, giving the body collectors a lot of job security. If they manage to stay alive. During London's outbreak in 1665, body collectors only worked at night. A deadly outbreak of plague struck London in 1665. By September, the city was drowning under 8,000 new corpses every week. There were so many bodies accumulating that the city ordered body collectors to only work at night because the sight of cart after cart piled with corpses terrified those who hadn't fled the city. Body collectors would pull dead carts through the streets, ringing a bell and calling out, Bring out your dead! Bring out your dead! Family members who were quarantined with the sick would lower their dead to the street, sometimes with a hook on a long pole. Diarist Samuel Pepys wrote that he stopped going out at night because of his great fear of meeting dead corpses. 
First of all, why would you be going out at night considering that you're in the middle of a plague? Like, excuse me, sir, were you thinking of taking a leisurely stroll? Body collectors refuse to give up in the face of death. During the Black Death, the world was falling apart. Priests dropped like flies until there was no one left to administer last rites. In monasteries in Marseille and Carcassonne, every single monk perished. Even worse, every family bond broke apart. Brother was forsaken by brother, nephew by uncle, brother by sister. And what is more, and scarcely to be believed, fathers and mothers were found to abandon their own children, unattended, unvisited, to their fate, as if they had been strangers. But through it all, Europeans could count on one group during the plague. The body collectors were always there to cry, Bring out your dead! Do you know, I was actually thinking for a moment, if you were be, if it was like the best paying job in town, I would probably take it. And then I'm like, let's be honest, Carissa, you know, for, for a fact, you actually wouldn't take it. <laughs> because the way I would think of it is, there is a 95% of me contracting the plague back in those days, right? And now I have to be carting off decaying bodies, right, to take them, either to throw them in rivers or to, you know, bury them in these mass graves and do that over and over and over again. I'm walking in these streets that are just plague infested, right? So chances are that I'm at, I said 95%, there is a 99.9% .9 chance I'm gonna contract this. So there's no amount of money in the world that will make me take that job because is it to like you know i don't know make sure that my family survives there's a 99 percent chance that they won't survive <laughs> so what are they gonna do with the money what are they gonna do with the money and then i thought you know what might as well go to the graveyard and have an orgy <laughs> and play some dice on one of my lover's backsides because honestly like there's no freaking point we are talking about over 600 years ago. There is no way that I was going to survive. Now, looking at it from this standpoint, my ancestors did survive. I don't know where they were at the time, <laughs> but somehow they survived because I'm a testament of them surviving that, right? And everyone who's listening to this right now is a testament that your ancestors survived this. But let's be honest, okay? Be 100% honest. Would you take this job? And we're not talking about taking it in modern day. No, no, no. We're talking about taking it over 600 years ago when they didn't understand microbes and germs and all this. They didn't understand how this, the, the plague was being spread. So you have really nothing to protect yourself with apart from flowers and herbs stuffed up your nose or wrapped around in a scarf, whatever, right? Would you take this job? I want to hear from you. I want an honest answer. I want to hear it. Otherwise, you know where you can all find me. I'll be at the graveyard having an orgy. Bring the wine. 
bring the dice, bring the cards, and let's just have fun until death sweeps us away. Just put it all in the fucking bucket and say, eh, whatever, let's have a good life. Let's have a good time. As long as it is consensual. Because even during times of plague, consent is key. And it is sexy. With all that being said, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And tune in again on Friday for another October Madness episode. I'm Carissa Vickis, reminding you to wear protection each and every time you engage in any kind of sexual activity, wear your mask each and every time you go out, and wash your hands no matter what. Have a wonderful and safe night.